Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am again your solo host here on this Wednesday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Kyle is still honeymooning, and he will be for the next few days. And so we get to steer this ship alone. No Kyle Krabs getting in the way of the takes. It's just you and me, and we're going to have some fun today. We're going to finish up reflecting on the 2019 NFL Draft. Two teams remain. The Raiders, the Raiders, and the Sandy. No, it's Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Chargers. We can't even do that cool San Diego Super Chargers. Doesn't work with Los Angeles, does it? I don't think so. But we're going to talk about both of those draft halls here in totality on today's podcast. I do want to remind you that today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip 6 Belts, which are ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Grip 6 has a special offer for you over at Grip6.com slash lock. That's the number six, and there's an E on the end of lock. As a reminder, you can get the Draft Dudes podcast on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Draft Dudes. Let's talk about this Raiders draft class. This was a big one, right? Three first-round picks. Mike Mayock's first draft as general manager of the Oakland Raiders. Obviously, a lot of questions about what they did last year, how John Gruden's building this football team, if it's going to work. And they had a big draft haul to cash in on to start adding pieces to this roster. And I think it's pretty clear what they were trying to do. They wanted to get players that come from a winning pedigree. And I think that's why you saw three Clemson players, an Alabama player, Mississippi State, which is a program that's culture has really shifted under Dan Mullen and now obviously Joe Moorhead. And I think they were very intentional about making sure players that are proven from big schools with winning pedigrees were part of the players they opted to bring in. Now, I think we got to start this discussion with pick number four overall, where they invested in Cleveland Farrell, the edge defender from Clemson. And a lot of people were surprised by this pick, right? I mean, they didn't pick Josh Allen, who was perceived as you know possibly that next best pass rusher in the class off the edge, uh, aside from Nick Bosa, and he was right there for the taking. And they went with Cleveland Farrell, who's not a player I don't think anyone was talking about as a top 10 pick, let alone a top 5 pick. But when you think about Cleveland Farrell, it sort of makes sense based on what this team needs. Obviously, a huge need at edge rusher after they traded away Kill Mack. Bruce Irvin's no longer in the building. And somebody's got to rush the passer from the outside for the Oakland Raiders. And Farrell's a guy that across three seasons at Clemson has been nothing but consistent and productive. And he has a very translatable skill set to the NFL. He's long. 
He's physical. He's got the right size. He's got good hands. He's got length. And he's going to be a great run defender, and I think he's going to be a really outstanding pass rusher. My question is, what is his ceiling? I think Cleveland Farrell is going to be a really good football player for a long time. But does he have the ceiling of a Josh Allen? I think that's where the questions come into play. And, I mean, even when you consider, like, Brian Burns, I think Brian Burns has a higher ceiling. Maybe not for that defense. He doesn't necessarily fit their mold quite as well as, as, you know, Cleveland Farrell and this Paul Gunther defense. But in the top five, I think I want a guy with a higher ceiling. I understand the pick. I love that he comes from a winning program, a big part of the reason why Clemson's been successful, military background in terms of his family, character boxes are checked the right type of player to bring into this locker room but what type of ceiling does he have as a top five pick you don't use a top five pick on a really good run defender and and a guy with a with a translatable pass rushing skill set that isn't overly dynamic because i think when you when you factor in you know does he have dynamic burst does he have great flexibility i don't think you can say either one of those two things are true about cleveland farrell i had a first round grade on cleveland farrell i think he's a really good football player would have taken him you know, outside of the top ten for sure, and he went number four overall. Uh, the other, the other, well, not the other. The the next sec, uh, first round pick that uh, Mike Mayock used was on Josh Jacobs, the Alabama running back, pick number twenty four overall. Kind of saw this one coming, right? I mean, obviously with the big big hole there at running back, Marshawn Lynch no longer in the mix. Uh, was it Isaiah Crowell? He got injured, and and you just saw a big hole here in the backfield for. Oakland and and obviously you know for me I thought Jacobs was the best running back in the class I think he does everything he's really good in pass pro catches the football really well he has really good power I think he's elusive he has good contact balance for the most part he sees the field well do think there's times where he can get a little greedy and and get a little bit quick to work to the outside and 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 kind of looking for some side doors from time to time but you know I love his skill set super competitive love how he finishes runs uh, you know he's not going to leave anything on the field, and he's he's going to be a pain in the ass to tackle. And I think those are <laughs> that's kind of what you want to say about a running back. So I think when you thought about this running back class, it didn't have a ton of star power. You know, big time top ten worthy prospects at running back. But Josh Jacobs was the one that you felt like this could be a star. This can be a multifaceted back, a lead back in the NFL. And I love that he's got low mileage, right? If you're going to use a first-round pick on a running back, you need to feel comfortable about him being your, your, the focal point of your running game for the next five years. And Jacobs comes in not having been overused in college, and I feel like the longevity piece of the evaluation, which is important for a running back, really exists. Now, I know one freak, freak injury could really derail that, but I'm comfortable with, with Jacobs in the first round. I had him valued in the first round. Now, John Abram, uh, Mississippi State safety, that was their their final first-round pick, their third first-round pick, number 27 overall. You know, look, I, I, Abram's a good football player, super physical, quick trigger to attack downhill. I think he gives you man coverage upside against tight ends, which is important. Think about this division. This division has Travis Kelsey and Hunter Henry and Noah Fant now, right? Like, you need a safety that can go 1v1 against – those dynamic flex tight ends and they've got kind of that neutralizer piece and john abram you know i just don't you know look he's he's got to play more under control i love his his demeanor how aggressive he is but 
too many whiffs. Like watch this, watch this tape. Like you love the trigger. You love how he comes in willing to, you know, run his body through guys, but he's got to connect more consistently. Too many missed tackles. Don't necessarily love his zone coverage awareness. So want to see that get polished up, you know, with his coverage spacing, but man coverage against tight ends, uh, a guy that can work in the box and really play downhill. You really like what you get there. Um, that was it for the first round. I know that's it, right? Then they had pick number 40, Trayvon Mullen, cornerback from Clemson, a guy that was one of the most difficult evaluations for me just because he didn't get tested that often at Clemson. You know, Clemson moved, rotated cornerbacks a lot, and Mullen, you know, you didn't see him get targeted very often, and that's probably a good thing, right? That's a, that's a compliment to a corner that he just didn't get tested. But at the same time, you just didn't get a really great feel for what he can do when he is tested, and that's kind of the trade-off there. You know, Some of his transitions were a little clunky, not necessarily the, the fleet, most fleet of foot or the smoothest with his hips, but a guy that I think you think about the, the, the Clemson pass defense, a lot of cover three. You like his length. He's got the, that ability to really serve as, as a quality zone cover corner, and they needed somebody opposite of Gary and Conley uh, in a big way. So, uh, it, you know, with the, with the Abram pick, with the Mullen pick, they really did a lot to improve a secondary that added LaMarcus Joyner this offseason. And so you got some pieces, Carl Joseph, obviously, in the mix. And the secondary definitely got better with, with, those, with those picks there of Abram and Mullen. So uh, hopefully the pass rush gets better as well with Farrell. You know, you, you like to think Arden Key can take a step forward this year. Um, and, and obviously Maurice Hurst from the interior is going to be an animal. Um, looking at their picks on day three, because that was it. That they didn't have a pick. They were picked at number 40 and then not again to pick number 106. Yeah, they went they went with Mac, Max Crosby there at pick 106, who a lot of people liked as a sleeper edge, a sleeper pass rusher in this year's class. I, I mean, look, there, there's stuff to like about him, but he's got to get stronger. He's got to get stronger at the point of attack. You know, right now he's a liability. He's going to get ridden out of gaps, and just as soon as as a blocker gets her hands on him, and, and when he's rushing the passer, he's just too. It's it impacts him too much, right? He's just got to get stronger. And if if you go back and watch or, or watch and listen to, you know, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, they they the Raiders did a good job of videotaping the phone calls that they made to all of their draft picks. And, and when they got to Max Crosby, you know, my, Mike Mayock said, look, man, you got to find the weight room. And so that's that was kind of a, a pretty clear message there that, we, hey, we like your upside, we like what you can be as a pass rusher, but you just got to get stronger. Another developmental player there in Isaiah Johnson, pick number 129 overall, cornerback from Houston, a guy that converted over from wide receiver, tons of length, tons of ball skills, tons of rawness and coverage right I mean you could tell when he's in coverage he gets grabby um, really saw that at the senior bowl just not a lot of trust in terms of route anticipation skills but he's got all the physical upside in the world to develop and I thought his game tape was a lot better than what we saw at the senior bowl so you got to treat each each component of the evaluation appropriately but uh, his game tape certainly better than the 1v1 stuff we saw at the senior bowl Foster Moreau the tight end the only tight end they drafted pick number 137 overall out of, out of LSU you know you kind of thought maybe a bigger investment would be made this offseason at tight end where you know Jared Cook was a very important piece of this offense last year and right now they're rolling with Derek Carrier Luke Wilson Foster Moreau Darren Waller you know it's it's not a very impressive tight end group after we saw how important the tight end position can be to, to John Gruden's offense and so 
Moreau's a sleeper, a guy that you know was kind of underutilized in college, but he gives you baseline ability across the board with some athletic upside to to develop. So I I, I think there's a nice ceiling there. At the end of the day, you got to keep in mind this is a fourth round pick, you know, late fourth round pick, so kind of a mid, almost a mid day three guy. You know, he's not going to come in and really reinvent or, or energize or really make your tight end room all that much more dynamic. So um, we'll see. I think he can be a really quality uh, reserve tight end, maybe spot starter, but I don't know if that you're ever going to give him a big contract and say, hey, this is my starting tight end, which is okay for a fourth-round pick, but in the context of a position that I thought they would do more to improve, I'm surprised that Morrow in the fourth round was their big investment. And, and Hunter Renfro, uh, their fifth-round pick wide receiver from Clemson, how exciting is that, man? You think about this guy in, in John Gruden's offense working from the slot. He's got Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams outside. Now you put Hunter Renfro in the middle, man, and, and you can do some fun things on option routes and pivot routes, get him ISO'd on a linebacker. One thing, look, Hunter Renfro, I've said it a million times, he's not going to impress you physically. He doesn't have great size, athletic ability, nothing. But there's two things I know he can do. He can get open and he can catch a football. Even though he's got sub-8-inch hands, this dude catches everything unbelievable hands and that's what you're looking for in a slot and i think he's a perfect slot i think they got him at, at a very good value a pick number 149 overall um, and so that, that was that was a really good pick i think that really rounds out their their wide receiver room gives them a, a, a you know look i mean that's a great that's a great trio in my opinion your top three receivers are brown tyrell williams and, and hunter renfro quentin bell in the seventh round not a player that i'm overly familiar with uh, an edge rusher out of prairie view a&m so look it's it's not it's not like you look at this draft class and you say the Raiders just got a ton of blue chip talent. I don't think you can say that. But did they get some really solid football players that I think can fill roles? Yes. But for a team with three first-round picks, is that the big takeaway that you want? I don't hate this draft. I just don't love it. And you you have high expectations for a team with three first-round picks that traded away the likes of Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack for these picks. I would have liked for some more upside, if that makes sense. Don't hate it. Just don't love it. Before we talk about the Chargers draft hall, which, a uh, little, little spoiler alert, one of the best in the league, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the first with the same FDA-improved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. That's MLB like Major League Baseball. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Remember that you can get this show every day by subscribing to the Draft Dudes podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Draft Dudes. All right, let's talk about this Chargers 
draft class. One of my favorites overall. I think a lot of people came away from this this hall and thought they did a really good job of making their football team better. And one thing I've been concerned about with the Chargers is their interior defensive line. You know, Darius Phylon no longer in the mix. Uh, 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 what's the guy that Corey Legit no longer in the mix? But they go and get Jerry Tillery at pick number twenty-eight, who I thought was just awesome this past year for Notre Dame. Outstanding pass rush ability. Love his ability to play extension against the run, disengage and, and, and finish. Very smart football player. Watch that Stanford game. Jerry St- Tillery against Stanford. One of the best tapes of any player at any position I saw. Uh, for the entire 2018 class I think he's the perfect fit in the middle of that defense you know Brandon McBain's a good football player he's getting older he's not going to be able to help them for that much longer so you really needed to kind of re-energize this defensive tackle group I know that they added Justin Jones last year in the third round which is a good pick but you know you don't want to get thin on this defensive interior love how Tillery can impact a defense that now has Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and Jerry Tillery to go with Brandon McBain on this defensive line, you've got dudes that can get after the quarterback. You've got complimentary pressure coming from every angle, and you've got a problem for your offensive line trying to block this really talented defensive line. In the second round, they go get Nasir Adderley, the Delaware safety, one of my favorite prospects in the entire class. You think about him next to Derwin James, and Derwin James is, is just a, a total Swiss Army knife. We say that. About a lot of players, he really is that. I mean, he plays so many different positions, does it so well. It's such a matchup neutralizer. He's so perfect for today's NFL where these offenses challenge you with pace, with space. And Derwin James is the type of defender that that really kind of negates some of those matchups and those those mismatches that offenses try to take away. Now you've got Nasir Adderley, who is just a, a joy to watch on film. What was so impressive about his tape is that he lined up, lined up so frequently, really deep off the ball, 20, 25 yards, and he still made an impact. He's very good at processing what's happening in front of him and, and, and attacking downhill, getting involved as uh, you know tackling against the run or for a quick pass. But he's really good in terms of his range. He, he can put him in single high and let him go sideline to sideline. He can truly be that center fielder, that ball hawk. He's got man coverage ability. He's a really t- good return guy. And and you you what you can do with this pair of safeties of James and Adderley is endless. It's just truly endless. Um, and I mean that's that's as exciting of a, of a duo as they're in the league. I know that the Jets fans are going to tell me that Marcus May and Jamal Adams are really good, but this is the safety tandem that I would choose uh, out of the young safety tandems in the league right now. Trey Pipkins in, in the third round. Didn't love that pick. Uh, I thought he, you know, look, he didn't stand out to me at the Senior Bowl, or excuse me, at the Shrine game. Felt like it was a reach, and you kind of see this every year, like Joe Noteboom, Alex Kappa, Brandon Parker. These types of players tend to go in the top 100, but to me they're just not worth that type of pick. A lot of development's going to be needed there. I thought they had a big need. You know, at right tackle they have Sam Tevy uh, slated to be the starter there, and you know, I thought that was a liability for them last year, that right tackle spot. And so I, I, I appreciate the investment in an offensive tackle. I just don't know that there's going to be much returns out of Trey Pipkins. Love the pick of Drew Tranquil in the fourth round, linebacker from Notre Dame. Um, you know, they've got they've got some pieces at linebacker. They've got some free agents. You know, Thomas Davis is going to play a big role from this year. For them this year, I'm not sure how many years he has left in the tank. Tranquil's a guy that is really good in coverage, very athletic, 
Um, you know, I think he'd have been a much higher pick if it wasn't for the injury risk. So, uh, you know, I think that was a player that we could talk about them getting a starter uh, there on day three with the tranquil pick. Easton Stick, interesting player, right? Like, what makes me like this pick, if I if I if I can, here is Anthony Lynn. You know, Anthony Lynn got a lot out of Tyrod Taylor, who's a limited passer, and Easton Stick is a great athlete. And you can do some things creatively with him. You know, you think about that Taysom Hill role that the Saints have with Drew Brees. You can do that with him and really implement some stuff there that can add another layer to this offense. You know, Phillip Rivers, he's a friggin' he's a pocket passer, right? He's never going to be able to do a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of the the read read option stuff, a lot of the the gimmick stuff where you're trying to get a quarterback moving. He's not going to catch a pass ever. You can just add some wrinkles to your offense with him that I think are interesting. I don't think he'll ever be like a a starting quarterback or even a preferred number two. But what you can, what he can add to your offense, maybe you get him involved on special teams a little bit. I think he'll help a team. He's a tremendous athlete. Uh, I love this these these seventh these late picks this these uh, the sixth and seventh round picks here are just terrific. Ameki. Agbele, the Houston linebacker that they took, super versatile player. He can play with his hand in the dirt and rush to pass. He can play off the ball. He's got some processing stuff to clean up. But he's a terrific athlete with great size, good physicality. And you think about you know how creative Gus Bradley has gotten with his defense. This is a type of player that I think can really thrive with this group and in this scheme. So you could do a lot of different things with him. I think that you have to kind of simplify it for him. You don't want to have him thinking a ton. If you can give him a single duty, whether that's a blitz, shoot a gap, set the edge, just one single thing, I think he can really help this defense. And, and you know, for pick to number 200, I think there's a lot of upside there that I really buy into. Cortez Broughton, and a guy with his pass rushing skills at pick 242 is a freaking steal. He should have went much higher. The NFL values interior pass rush penetration. Then they needed to take Cortez Broughton a whole lot higher than 242 overall. I thought this was one of the best day three picks overall. I think that he does have a very translatable pass rushing skill set. Needs some work as a run defender. But this is a guy that I have no questions. You could put him put him next to Tillery on passing downs and, and tell him to go get the quarterback. And I think that you have a really exciting interior duo of pass rushers that a lot of teams can't say they have. And uh, I, I'm excited about the future of that position. Like I said, kind of early on in this in this discussion about the Chargers, is that I had concerns about their defensive tackle position, short and long term. Well, they go get Jerry Tillery, they go get Cortez Broughton, they have uh, Justin Jones from last year. They've got a vet in Brandon Mabain, and all of a sudden you feel good about this position uh, after after this draft. So I really respect the work. Uh, that uh, Tom Telesco did here putting together this 2019 draft hall for the Chargers as we've done with every division as we we kind of close the book we rank them we rank the draft classes in the division and I'll be honest with you I like all four of these I think this is the toughest one so far because I don't think any one team did a bad job so I can get behind all four of the halls but if I have to grade them Chargers at number one they just got dynamic more dynamic on defense a lot of upside overall I love what the Denver Broncos were able to do I think that their their value across the board uh, with their first three picks was really exceptional I think that football team got a lot better 
Uh, at number three, I have the Chiefs. The Chiefs didn't have a first-round pick, but to come away with Juan Thornhill and Kalen Saunders, two of my favorite day two prospects, as well as Miko Hardman, who go back and listen to that show to hear me talk about Hardman. Uh, when we talked about him last week, I just think he's perfect for you know potentially stepping into that Tyreek Hill role with with his speed, with his legit four three speed that he he pairs with good ball tracking skills and it's true speed, right? Like he carries that speed to and through the catch point. He never has to slow down for the ball. I just love that about him. I think he'll fit in perfectly with Mahomes. And then at number four, the Raiders. Don't hate what they did. I just didn't absolutely love it. And I think the other three teams got better, which is not what you're looking to hear from a team that, you know, didn't show a lot of promise last year and was kind of towards the bottom. But I still think they got better at the same time. So uh, we'll see how that continues to evolve there uh, with the Raiders situation, which we'll pay close attention to uh, as this John Gruden, Mike Mayock era uh, unfolds before our eyes with the Raiders. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back again for you tomorrow. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Draft Dudes. Remember to share, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. My Twitter handle is at the Joe Marino if you want to continue this discussion on the Twitter machine. Other than that, I'll catch up with you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.